0: A sharp, I <laughs> was a sharp <laughs> cut off of our intro music. Sorry, we're working it. We're working it, people. <laughs> oh my gosh! Welcome back. This is our podcast, Two Yoke Girls, and we are excited to connect back again on kind of part two of our gratitude adjustment podcast that we did last time. And we want to talk about a little bit more about the tools, the science. The reasons why I think Lorraine and I make a great couple here, you know, in the gratitude adjustment and in life, uh, simply because we look at things from two different perspectives a lot. And for me, the buy in comes from the science, like learning why these things actually work so they're not so nebulous, if that's mm. the right word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and then Lorraine actually has all that information stored in her head <laughs> somehow. <laughs> Um, and, and so if you're somebody who kind of needs the reason why this is the podcast for you, and one of the tools that we use a lot is meditation. And I think people are really curious about meditation. They have typically tried it for about two minutes and decided it doesn't work for them. Um, or they've tried it a couple times and they love it. You know, it, it spans, it spans. It spans this wide range of people's reactions, but it's certainly becoming more mainstream, which we love. Yeah. And so, Lorraine, you want to jump in about kind of why we love it, why it works?
1: Yeah. I think piggybacking off this idea of something you mentioned in one of the previous podcasts of the monkey mind, it's referred to that a lot in meditation literature. And that is normal. Your brain is amazing at looking at the world scanning making really quick decisions to keep you safe and I think we talked about that in another episode as well the idea that we're often on high alert just because of the way we are as humans you know we're we used to be somewhat vulnerable we're not the largest animals um, in the animal kingdom but we're the smartest and so the brain is really expensive metabolically and so it's running in the background a lot and it's the reason why we evolve and survive um, where that starts to feel like we need something to contain it is when we can't separate from all those constant thoughts and actually feeling safe. And so then the nervous system starts to be on overdrive, right? So it's really interesting because there's this idea that the brain has about 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. And so if we're always racing, how do we use those thoughts that are coming in so quickly to help us or to keep us actually feeling grounded and centered? It's too much to manage if there's not some kind of tool that gives us the room to remember that we're not every single thought that comes in and we don't have to act on every single thought that comes in,
0: Mm. right? I think so many of my thoughts are repetitive too. Mm -hmm. I, you know, they're, they're a, a, a loop that just sometimes keeps repeating itself. And sometimes you catch it and sometimes you don't, but imagine all the times you don't, like if Mm. those thoughts are critical or negative or um, unnecessary, like all of those times that you don't catch them, 60,000 a day can really Mm. shape your consciousness and how you're kind of walking through. So I think it's, first of all, so helpful to know that it's normal to have all of those thoughts and yeah. and for them to be repetitive. But I had a question. Uh, is the monkey mind, do they call it the monkey mind because it's the
1: primitive part of the mind? They call it that I think essentially to give it a visual, like this idea of a monkey jumping from branch to branch. However, it could also be that it's part of that primitive side of your brain. So that's a really interesting question. I always imagined it, that it was that visual of like um, you know the way it just keeps moving without on almost instinct. But you're yeah. right; it could also be about the primitive side of our brains that's really driven by emotion and fear and those quick fire signals that cause us to react.
0: Yeah, my, my visual of the monkey mind is not a monkey swinging <laughs> gracefully from branch to branch, but like in a cage, like throwing bananas. Oh, like yeah, that's what's going on in my head. Right? It's like. Yeah. The monkey is nuts in my brain. He's just constantly going, throwing things around, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So good. So what can we do to
1: quiet the monkey mind? So it's interesting because at first when you sit with it, you'll just see that it does that. Like it is. It's that fast moving all the time. And it makes it makes meditation feel really challenging. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing I think, and you can tell me your experience too, and everybody has different experiences, is that as you start to meditate, it can feel like you're not doing it right, because you're working really hard to almost fit a mold that you might even think that meditation is that it's supposed to be quiet. And when it gets quiet, it's almost like, the external noise quiets, but the internal noise turns up. And so that's where it starts. And that's where the curiosity can come in of like, whoa, it's really loud in here. Um, And it's the win. Every time you notice that maybe you've lost a connection to the moment, you start to go into forward thinking or even past rumination. That's where you're doing what you and I often refer to as like that bicep curl, that work of trying to change the pathways in your brain so that you see the thoughts, but you're not the thoughts. And there's a little cut in that I think awareness allows you to play with a little space.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See the thoughts, but you're not the thoughts. Is a really um, great thing to be able to wrap your mind around. And I think that that's the biggest thing for new meditators. And it's funny because I, mainstreamly, if that's a word, I think we're almost over people's misperceptions of that,
1: that hmm.
0: I think people accept that meditation is hard. They're not quite sure why, but I they used to think, oh, when I sat and closed my eyes and I quote unquote meditated, I would be in some Zen state. And I think that's a possibility, but the way I think about it is it's like many years, if ever down the road, right? Like I'm not a monk. My whole job in life is not to cultivate, you know, peace and quietness in my life. And so I use meditation for a different reason.
1: I love that because I think what happened was we were sold the type of meditation that is for monastics, right? People who are removed a little bit and somewhere thinking about, you know, like, There's that saying of visualize world peace, right? But it's really this idea that monastics are visualizing world peace. It doesn't work for householders. We have too much to do. And so you try and give us the same practices and it feels like this must be for somebody else because it's not working for me. And so I think that's why I love the way you use meditation, the way I use meditation, the way we bring it to the community is that it really can be to help you do all the things that you need to do in your life with more ease or with an effective aligned nature so you're not just distracted. Um, it's what moves you from feeling like you're clumsy into feeling like you're a little bit more graceful in life, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And it doesn't have to be this life that isn't yours, this yeah. monk on a mountain. It's mm. your own very own life. Like how can we be more settled in being a parent, in being an owner of a of a whatever and being a worker Mm. it's just it helps you to be you in the most balanced way and so let's loop it back to why like really why does that why does it work Lorraine like in your brain what's actually happening when you meditate
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good question. And I think you and I have researched this and try to make uh, the neuroscience feel like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Right. So with all the research that's being done on meditation and there's a lot because, you know, we can now do MRIs and figure out what parts of the brain are firing when when you give a person a task. Um, So what they've seen in um, doing some of this work and watching brains that are meditating is that the prefrontal cortex, the part of the brain that is about rational decision-making, that gets bigger through regular meditation. And, you know, some of the studies vary on what regular meditation is. I think when you read them closely, it's something like, you know, an average of 15 to 20 minutes a session, an average of three to five times a week. So this research really is an average because brains are a different different. Um, but across the board, that part that we want to be able to allow our thoughts to really go into where we're rational, where we're good at making decisions, that increases. That means that the gray matter, the brain cells in that region um, increase and they work quickly. You know, So that's one thing. And then on the flip side, it also shrinks the part of the brain that is known as that Um, what's the word, Jill? The uh, primitive. Yes. The primitive part of the brain, it's called the amygdala. Um, So it's that emotional fear center, like you said, and it, the size of it decreases. So it shrinks and it found that in more mindful people, that part of the brain um, is smaller. And then we have greater emotional control. So, you know, it's not that it, doesn't sense fear. It still does. But the way that the fear is sensed, right? The brain reacts and then there's, yeah, it's processed a little differently. So it's kind of cool to think about um, how that would change how we react and what the brain's actually doing.
0: Yeah, I've, I'm obsessed with the amygdala. I watched that movie, which I think many people have seen. The documentary where the oh, I should know the name before I come on the podcast. That's okay, but, um, you know where he where free solo. Oh yes, and his if you did an MRI on his brain, and I think they might have even talked about it in the documentary that his amygdala center would be small, would not fire as mm. a normal person's does. Like he. This isn't directly related to meditation, but the thought that everybody's fear center fires in different ways Mm. and that in some case, and it's so powerful that it can control your actions in life Mm -hmm. where he, you know, can free solo up the side of a mountain. But some of us are stuck in the fear of leaving the house or Mm. launching a business or doing doing that kind of thing. And I, what meditation does is it just helps, I think, the, what process happens in the amygdala mm-hmm. for you to be able to get to a point where you're less reactive because mm-hmm. of fear. Um, yeah. And that's such a great way to walk through life.
1: Yeah. And what I love, it also reminds me that the brain can change. They used to think that there was a certain point where brain development was done and then that's just how your brain is. Um, So now neuroscientists have said that there is a neuroplasticity that we all have. And there are even some researchers who say it goes beyond plasticity, right? It's even more like memory foam. It doesn't even change and become plastic. It becomes like ever changing. Um, So meditation also is when they look at the brain, it thickens the hippocampus, which is responsible for learning and memory, um, which I think can point to keeping us youthful, which we'll talk about in a second, but learning and memory, we think that you know we get forgetful or we're just not as good as we used to be, or we're not as good at learning a language as a kid is. Um, however, through meditation, those parts of your brain shift, um, You know, yeah. the hippocampus gets thicker.
0: It's funny because it's an accepted reality that as you get older, you lose memory, right? Mm-hmm. Or you you're not as as nimble mentally. So that's all that is that perception is that it, your brain is changing. So if mm-hmm. it's changing that way, right? Why can't it change in the opposite direction? With just like with exercise, your body's going to do the same thing. It's going to become weaker if you don't exercise as you age, and as you if if you have the right regimen, you can slow that down or at least you could build up the opposite direction.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. Like bone density with weight training. We all accept that you increase bone density with regular weight training, right? You could increase the parts of your brain and the gray matter in there. um, and you know, help yourself with memory and with learning. Hmm. Um, yeah. So there's another thing it overall meditation increases gray matter and gray matter are the brain cells that are important to process um, and they're linked to intelligence, right? They seem to increase with meditation training. And then the brain waves and that activity also changes a little bit. So the high frequency gamma waves correlated with states of heightened awareness and bliss, um, they seem to be more active, before and during meditation, when somebody's a regular meditator. So they might have a regular time when they meditate, and those brain waves start to increase when it gets closer to their time of meditation, they feel them a little bit more during and even after. It's like exercise, that afterburn, the endorphins, it's really similar. And we're already accepting like, oh yeah, that of course happens during uh, during exercise, physical exercise. It also happens and we can see it during mental exercise too.
0: Yeah. And the first time you jump on the mat or you you get on your Peloton or you go for a run, (laughs) right? You're dead. It doesn't Mm. feel great. It's not, there's no transformative experience. You're just getting through typically. So why, when you jump into meditation, would you just expect it to feel fantastic? You know, I think those blissful things that happen during meditation might take a little bit, like 15 to 20 minutes, three to five times a week is a solid practice. And so I want, I just, want people to feel like they can start smaller than that, that that's something to build up to, you know, like we talk about this a lot in the GA, like, can, do you take a shower? And then instead of letting your monkey mind work, can you just think about really washing your hair or like the sense around you? Can you get into a state where it's more about the present moment? And that can be meditating, right? That can be the way to just start. Yeah, those, I, yeah,
1: I think it was John Kabat-Zinn who was talking about that exact thing. And he said, instead of bringing your morning meeting into the shower with you, feel the temperature or the sensation of the water, really feel it. And, you know, the, the quality of the steam as you breathe can also connect you with that feeling of being present. And that's what meditation is, is allowing your brain to rest in the present moment without all the processing that happens when you're forward thinking or past ruminating. And then I think it was Joseph Goldstein who said one of the most helpful phrases in meditation when you're starting is begin again. Just mm-hmm. begin again.
0: Every breath. Like I think when people think about begin again, it's a big thing. It's not. It's just every second your mind is going to wander, that's okay. That's It's part of keeping you alive. There's no, no judgment in it. But the begin again is literally milliseconds just come back for as much as you can
1: yeah it's like another rep you know when you're doing physical exercise just another rep that's all
0: yeah the bicep curl yep yeah okay I have to (laughs) we've set ourselves to these time limits so (laughs) although I hate them Um, we should probably stick to it.
1: Yeah. I'm just going to throw in one thing that there was also another study done at UCLA that suggests that people who meditate regularly um, have less age-related atrophy in Mm. the brain's white matter. So the gray matter is the tissue that contains the neurons and it's connected by white matter. So, you know, it kind of keeps the brain feeling a little bit more nimble. Um, which I think is another really good sell when we live in a society that's so fearful of some of the things that happen as we age, right? Meditation helps with some of that. Like you said, the atrophy, why, why can't we reverse it? And there is a way that maybe we can. Nothing, I think aging is great. I think it's necessary, right? But I love the idea of staying nimble mentally as we get older and gain the wisdom that's gained through life experience too.
0: Yeah. For as long as we possibly can. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, so thanks good. for that. I yeah. know. Um, um, like oh, you know you what said, I want to talk about next what? time?
0: Tell me. Self-compassion. Oh, yes. Because I think people think same thing about self They don't understand the real scientific power behind self-compassion. And so I th- we'll talk about that. I like to tease these things. In the-
1: yeah, I think that's great. Um, I'm excited for that too. So I think, Great. I think everybody will benefit from that. So I'm going to say next time you're right. Let's hit that and let's see what we can do with our outro music. Okay. So some of, you know, this is one of our dear friends and colleagues and just a talented oh, it, artist. That's one of his other tracks. Let's see if I can. There's our track. <laughs> <laughs> He's funny and smart, and his lyrics are incredible. Um, they often talk about what's going on in the world. So Mikey Bikes on Spotify, Mike Organzano in real life, and we'll bring him on the podcast as well. Yay. Yay. Hey, see ya. Bye. If you. Really Bye. Be be track is Be a Bee.